You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you could, we'll stand for the reading of God's Word. We want to read verses 1 through 10 of Ecclesiastes 1, and then I want to read one verse over in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, And so let's begin reading in Ecclesiastes 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. By the way, I just like the way that starts out, the words of the preacher, amen. Uh, He's not, I'm just a preacher, amen, but he is the preacher, amen. Uh, Capital P. The son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word vanity, it means emptiness. It means full of nothing, and, and if you were to read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, you would find that Ecclesiastes is written from the point of view of a man under the sun and a life living under the sun on this earth without Jesus Christ is empty and it's full of nothing. And he said in verse 3, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Again, stop and think about that. I mean, pretty much, we're in a new year, but we're going to get up and we're going to go to work and we're going to come home and eat supper and shovel and we're going to go to work again and come home and eat supper and shovel again and we're going to go eat and shovel. That's all I've done for the last six weeks is eat and shovel and watch Hallmarks. Amen, all right? Uh, We do the same thing over and over. And, and, And what the writer is saying is what profit is there? Man, we do this for generations on end. Your father did this. Your grandfather did this. Your great grandfather did this. And what profit is there? When it comes to the end, he says in verse 5, The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually. The wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. The place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. Are, Are you noticing a theme here? There's an endless cycle with the water. There's an endless cycle with the sun. There's an endless cycle with life. He says in verse 8, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And then notice verses 9 and 10. The thing which hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. Why is that? Because we're, we're all in this endless cycle of life. And there is no... New thing under the sun. Look in verse 10. Is there there anything whereof it may be said? See, this is new. Watch the next statement. It hath been already of old time. Is there anything that we could say, look, this is new. He said it's already been of old time, which was before us. And then let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 15. I'll read the whole verse, but really the first sentence of that verse, I want you to notice with me, because really that's what I'm preaching on this morning. That which hath been is now. In other words, what was in old time is now. You know what, what and I'll, I'll finish that in just a moment here. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't so long ago, maybe a few years ago, I was looking at my wife's family's, her, her parents' wedding album. And, and as we looked at the wedding album, I saw, I saw colors of bridesmaids' dresses from the late 60s or early 70s. And I was like, 
Sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody here, but it just wasn't my generation's color. And it's like, oh, where'd they come with those colors? Those colors are coming back in. Because that which hath been is. Everything, everything comes around. Now watch again what he says in verse number 15. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God required that which is past. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And a word of, uh, Really, I guess if I could put a title on the message, I'd, I'd title it, uh, old things are still new. Old things are still new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now as we look at some old truths from the Word of God that are still as new today as they've ever been. God, I pray you'd bless the preaching, working hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here we are at the beginning of another new year. I believe I preached the New Year's service last, last year as well, and then we flew out that following Wednesday, January 4th, and I can't, I can't believe, man, I don't know where the year went. The older I get, it's just like somebody tripped the fast-forward button, amen, and it's flying by. But the calendar is new this morning. I mean, you turn over that calendar. My, my daughter-in-law got me a little family calendar with pictures of the family, and I love that, especially over there where I can't see the family, and every, every month I can turn and see uh, those, those pictures, those old pictures, but they're like new as I look at them, amen. Uh, as, as that calendar turns, the resolutions, Pastor talked about the New Year's resolutions, amen, that, that, that should last for maybe seven to ten days for most of us, amen, if the average holds, some of us less than that, all right. And, uh, and, but the resolutions are new, everything feels new. And along with this time of year comes the saying, uh, or, or maybe sayings like this, out with the old and in with the new. And I get it, I'm pretty sure and I really don't want to invoke the word in 2023 because it is a new year. But I'm sure, I'm pretty sure all of us remember 2020 and, and how glad we were to get out of 2020 because of a certain word. And, and how, how glad we were to step into a new year and to try to put that C word behind us. I, I get the idea of out with the old and in with the new. And as Pastor mentioned, some may have had health problems and financial issues and family and friendship issues and sometimes turning that calendar, turning that year, it's another marker, but it gets us a little further away from that which hurt us so deeply. So I understand that whole thought out with the old and in with the new and, and, and some of us just want to step out of the past and we're visionaries and we're always stepping into the future every day of our life, amen. And, and so we're, today it's just allowing another time stamp to mark the passing of the old and give us hope for a brighter new year. But I want to remind Eastside Baptist Church this morning, I want to remind those that are here with us this morning that there are some things that never grow old and that should never grow old, amen. And they've been around for a long time, so they're old in the sense that they've been around for a long time, but they're really timeless. They're eternal. And, and I know he's not a thing, but, but, but just when we think about God, I, I, if, if we're not careful, we can start to think of God in terms of time, and we can think, well, God, he's just old. And some of you young people coming up, you know, God, you know, my parents worship God, my grandparents worship God, and, and God's just old, and maybe even have this idea of God that he's up in heaven, you know, sitting on a rocking chair, you know, and kind of wondering what's, what's still going on down there. But can I tell you, God doesn't grow old, amen. <laughs> God, there's never been a time when we could say God was young, there's never been a time that God's old. God just is. He's the I am that I am. Uh, in, 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 in Psalm 90, uh, the, uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God, he said, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Malachi chapter number four, he said, I am the Lord. I change not. Man, I'm thankful we have a stable, an absolute, a consistent when things change around us. 
and when the old goes out and the new comes in and the woke and all this kind of stuff coming in, these days I'm glad we have some things that are absolute that never change. Amen. Our text says that thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is, is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. That which hath been is now. And again, I say there are some things that never change, truths that never become outdated, principles that are timeless. Uh, for those of you that were up early enough to watch the sunrise this morning, I'll guarantee you it was just as crisp, it was just as beautiful, and it was just as new, and it was just as clear as, as, as it has been every day for the last 6,000 plus years. It's the, the same sun, it's the same old sun, but it's a brand new sunrise. What about that? And then this spring, I'm, I'm fast forwarding, a week and a half I'm going to be into the hot season of Africa, and you guys got to wait five months, and man, never pity the missionary, envy the missionary, amen. And I'm, I'm feeling sorry for y'all back here having, and Brother Heath would say, man, don't feel sorry for me, I'm loving the snow. But I'm telling you, man, my blood sugar, man, it went down over these past few weeks, just shoveling, 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 man, I'm telling you. And so, but springtime, for those of you that are newer to South Dakota, I promise you, springtime is coming. And on that day, no, just kidding, all right. But, but new flowers and new blooms in a new spring of a new year, but they're the same old flowers that have been growing with the same old blossoms for the uh, same old springs for the last 6,000 years. That which hath been is now. The old is still new. But they're just as new and they're just as beautiful and they're just as real as we experience them again for the very first time. What about that? So this morning I hold something in my hand. I just want to preach on two points this morning and a whole lot of sub points. Amen. But just two points. There's some things that never change. There's some things that never grow old. There's some things that you're looking at a man that holds dear. You're looking, you're, you're in a church. If you're here for the first time, you're in a church that we hold some things dear to us. Amen. The first thing I want to say that's, that's old but it's still new is the old scriptures. Amen. I thank God for the old scriptures. You're in a church that believes the Bible is the word of God. Amen. You're in a church that believes the Bible is as relevant for January 1st, 2023 as it was when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe this Bible. I love these old scriptures. I don't want to talk to you just for a few minutes about these old scriptures that are new today, just as new. Pastor quoted again just a verse from the song that Miss Kath was playing about the mercies of God and how they're new while they're old mercies. Calvary took place 2,000 years ago. But for some of us, they're as new this morning as they were when God offered his mercy at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And so there are those of us, there, there are those around us within society as we come into another new year, as they have for so many years in the past, that would have us to believe that this Bible is an outdated book. But I want to tell you this morning, it's just as real, and it's just as new, and it's just as fresh and it's just as true, and it's just as vibrant, and it's just as soul-saving, and it's just as life-transforming, and it's just as family-healing as the day that God gave us the Word of God. Amen. It's interesting that the Word of God was written over a period of about 1,500 years by about 40 different men, and they were completed. I mean, the Revelation, John writes the Revelation, it's completed nearly 2,000 years ago. And yet, I opened my Bible this morning and read it, and it was just like reading it for the very first time. 
It was just like I was reading a message from God to me personally because it is a message from God to me personally. And his mercies are new every morning. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. Amen. I get to read the word of God that's new and it's new to me. And boy, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of verses where the Bible said, blessed is the man that walketh not the counsel of the ungodly. You know that whole verse. But he goes to the next verse. He said, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, now, can I just tell you something about the things this world has to offer? I can read a book once or twice and I'm done with the book forever. I've read it once or twice. I'm so glad for something called Kindle books because you can just pay a fraction. You don't have to have the book on your bookshelf that you've already read once and you're never going to read it again. Right? Man, I pick up this Bible and I read it over and over, year by year, sometimes once a year, sometimes twice a year, reading the Bible. And I'm telling you, this Bible's like an artesian well. I mean, the more that comes, the more there is to come. Amen. And, 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 and we get in this book and we read this book and it's as fresh. My wife, while Brother Griebel was teaching Sunday school, she, she underlined a verse and she pointed that verse and God had just spoken to her heart and gave her something new in the verse that maybe she hadn't seen before. That happens for me almost every morning of my life. I'm telling you, if you're not in your Bible, get in your Bible. These old scriptures, they're old, no doubt about it. They're as old as God himself because forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. But there is new and there is fresh and there is real and there is life transforming this morning as they've ever been. Let's look at the Bible quickly, quickly, quickly from just three points of view as we look at this idea of how that the old, it's still true, the old is still new. Uh, when I read the creation account or God's account of creation in this book, I see that account of the life that God gave, and I realize the old is still new. I mean, do you, do you realize it's, it's not just a fable? It's not a fairy tale. Somewhere around 6,000 years ago, God, as an eternal spirit, stepped out onto nothing, and God said, let there be light. Boom! There's light. The word of God had spoken for the first time, and there was light. God separated the light from the darkness and over six days, over six literal 24-hour days, a man recently said, well, I just, that's not logical. I can't accept that. You can't show that to me in the Bible. I said, excuse me, we can show that in the Bible. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he said, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. That six 24-hour periods, God made everything. God in that process created Something that we hold valuable at this church. Something that we hold dear. He created something that we call life. And I'm telling you, man, as we come into a new year, we, we're, we're going to celebrate a, a, a lot of new life. A lot of new life. Amen. All right. I get my tongue twisted around my eye tooth. Can't see what I'm saying. All right. I'm saying, do you know why the grass will turn green and grow again? You have to get your lawnmowers out and sweat a little bit. Do you? You know why the flowers will bloom again? Just pretty as can be. Those two, I love flowers. People call me weird, but I love flowers. That's one thing I love about Africa. We got all these flowers and beautiful veggies. I love it. I love it when they come into bloom. And, 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 and Jesus said concerning the, the lilies, how that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like unto one of these. Those new and beautiful blooms that will come this spring. They'll come. They're, they're, they're old, but they're still as new and as beautiful as ever. Do you know why that'll happen? Do you know why the baby birds will start chirping and singing later in the spring? And, and, and the baby bunnies and the little fawns and the little calves will all be born this. You know why? There'll be new life this year. 
because God created life, but he didn't just create life. He created life to sustain itself. So that everything that is born, every, every person that is born, every individual that is born is not just a part of God's creation because he created it and then sustained it, but it's a part of God's creative act in sustaining his creation. God, God's the one that has the power to say live. God's the one that has the power to say die. That's in the hand of God. Do you know why you'll have food to eat and water to drink for most of us every day of our life this year? Because the same God who created this world 6,000 years ago, that's a long time. By human standards, that's as old as it gets if you're a Bible believer. If you're, if you're a fictional believer, you believe that we've been around for hundreds of billions of years. And, and that's as old as it gets. But, but, but according to the standard of God's word, we've been here about 6,000 years. That, that's a pretty long time ago that God created life. I mean, that's something that's pretty old. There'll be brand new life born today and tomorrow. And, and every day this year, brand new life coming into this world because God created life. God sustains life. The heavens, as we look up and see those sunrises, and, and, and my wife jokes and says she likes to see the sunrise in reverse, amen. And we watch the sun sets, and we look up and see the clouds and the storm systems that move into South Dakota, and we see it's brand new when it comes, but we know it's going to be the same old storm, same old sunrise. Same. What's going on the heavens declare the glory of God every day. They are new. The firmament showeth his handiwork. The Bible said day unto day uttereth speech. If you're looking up into the heavens every day, God is speaking through general revelation, revealing himself in order to point you and I to his word that we might come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then we look not just at the creative account, but we look at the historical account of the word of God. Uh, this book is, 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 you know, again, some would laugh at it, but this book is the capital H history book of the world. This book holds human history. This book holds the history of civilization within its pages. It's always funny. It's always humorous to the Bible believer. But there are those who would seek again to uh, uh, cast this book away, to put this book away. And, and be, because this book brings such conviction to them... And this book tells them there is a God with whom they're going to have to do one day. And they don't want to have to deal with that thought, so they try to cast it aside. And they'll say, well, you know, there, there are people groups that the Bible talks about that do not exist. There are places that the Bible talks about that have never existed. We can't find any historical record of them. There are events that the Bible talks about that nobody, no historian gives it. And Bible believers say, hey, God said it. That settles it whether you believe it or not. Amen. We believe the Bible. I'll never forget, I was up in Watertown, South Dakota, and I'll come back to that thought in a minute. I was in Watertown, South Dakota several years ago, and we was having a tent meeting up there with Brother Whittemore. This is maybe, maybe 12 or 13 years ago now, maybe 14 years ago. And as we were having the meeting there, uh, some guys came in, and they came from some kind of a Scientology church or some kind of a cult along those lines. And, 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 and they come in, and, and there was an older preacher there that night. Uh, after the service and he had started a church in Watertown years ago and he's up in his 80s and these two young men from that cult they came over to the, that old preacher and a, a group of preachers that were standing around and they began saying do you guys really believe the Bible and of course most of us younger preachers there we just kind of deferred to the older preacher and he said you better believe we believe the Bible this is a Bible preaching Baptist church tent meeting we believe the Bible and those younger men began to scoff and they began to deride and one of them looked at the old preacher and he said to him, he said, I bet you you're so old and outdated. 
I bet you believe the story that Jonah got swallowed by a whale. And that old preacher I'll never forget, he said, I'm going to tell you boys how much of a Bible believer I am. If the Bible told me that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe it. And those boys said, there's no use us even being here. And they turned around and left. Praise the Lord. Can I just tell you, we're Bible believers. But can I tell you, they keep having new archaeological, notice the word I use, new archaeological digs. And and in these new digs, they keep finding old stuff. (laughs) But it's brand new to the people in the new dig. And they'll start saying, oh, look, there's people. Oh, look, there's a city. Oh, look at that. And all of a sudden, it lines up with the historical account of the word of God. And God's true once again. And man is found to be a liar because the old is still as new as it was in the day that it existed on this earth. And there's historical evidence, amen, and archaeological evidence. Let's, and I could say much more there, but i gotta, I got to keep moving because of time. And really, after I leave here, I'm headed to Greenville, South Carolina today. And so if the preacher gets long-winded, this guy's going to be mad at him, all right? So, so let me just say this. What about the prophetic account? When we read the prophetic account of this book, is not the old still just as new this morning? When we read about prophecy, I mean, just three quick sub-points, and then I'll be to my second major point, and then it's all going to be done, all right? But, but look at this. The, the Bible, and we heard a tremendous lesson, teachings, what I thought it was going to be, turning to preaching. My brother Jacob Madden, here a few weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, the Wednesday before Christmas, dealing with prophecy. Can I tell you that there was a time in Genesis 3.15, 4,000 years before Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary that was prophesied in scriptures that there would be a virgin birth. Can I tell you, Jeremiah 31, verse 22, the last half of the verse, the Bible said the Lord hath created a new thing. That's the wording God used. He said, I'm going to create a new thing in the earth. Behold, a woman shall compass a man. That's a prophecy concerning the virgin birth. And then, of course, there's Isaiah in Isaiah 7. Uh, said, behold, a virgin shall conceive and be with child. Can you imagine Mary when the angel came to her? <laughs> said, man, what was prophesied 850 years ago? What was prophesied almost 4,000 years ago? It's going to be new. It's going to take place with you. What about that? Not just the birth of Christ, but the place of his birth. And he pointed that out. Bethlehem effort, according to Micah 5, 2, the lowly life and the suffering of Jesus Christ, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that was prophesied long before? Zechariah and Zechariah in chapter number 11, verses 12 and 13, prophesied that Jesus would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. What about the suffering and the death and the glorious resurrection? which to me is as new as I preached this morning as it was, I think, on resurrection morning. By the way, you say, well, that's not that new. Then why are we meeting today? Why are we meeting on Sunday? This is the Lord's day. John said, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. Well, why weren't they worshiping on the Sabbath, which was Saturday? And by the way, Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Sunday is the Lord's day. The Sabbath is the Sabbath. Amen. That's the seventh day. But Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Sunday is the first day of the week. Amen. And it's the Lord's day. And God was through with the nation of Israel at that particular point. God was opening the door to this thing that we call the church. And he instituted the Lord's day. And we're meeting on the Lord's day. We're worshiping like they did in New Testament times on the Lord's day. Amen. Because something new took place. There was the death, burial, and a resurrection. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ that took place not on the Sabbath, but on the first day of the week. Amen. And you're here this morning, whether you, whether you chose to be or not, you're here this morning celebrating with the rest of us the resurrection of Jesus Christ by being here on a Sunday morning. Amen. Oh, listen to me. There's the life of Christ when we look at the prophetical account of the Word of God. Then, then there's prophecies about the latter days. Now, I think it must have been wonderful to be living when the shepherds came and heard the angels singing to them. And when the wise men saw the star... Man, when I was a kid and teenager, I'd read some of those verses and I'd say, man, man, how, how real it must have been. How awesome that must have been to be a shepherd on the hillside watching your sheep overlooking Bethlehem. And all of a sudden the skies just open up and there's, there's a heavenly host of angels singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. I said, that must have been wonderful. But do you realize that there are things prophesied in this Bible that are taking place before our eyes concerning the second advent the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ sure it would have been a great thing to live at the first coming but I'm pretty excited to be alive right now amen I'm pretty excited to be living do, do you understand what's going on on world events on the on if the world was a theater and and we looked and saw the stage there there are nations that are in place that are supposed to be in place for end time prophecy to be fulfilled you see Russia in the news, you don't have to look any further than Exodus 38 and 39 and 40, right, right in that area. But you'll find a lot about Russia, amen, and some things that's going to happen to Russia. You look at, somebody asked me one time, and said, could you give me one word to tell me why you believe the Bible is the word of God? I said, I can. He said, what is it? I said, that one word, <laughs> Israel. Israel. That's all I got to do is look at the word Israel. And I say the Bible is the word of God. It's the only nation in, 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 I think, in human history that came out of the graveyard of nations. 1948, just like God said they would. And the fig tree is blossoming. Amen. And, and we are so close. Man, there's so many prophecies. Man, I wish I could just preach all day, but you don't have time and I don't have time. Amen. What am I saying? All right. Look at, look at not just the world stage and end time prophecy that's coming to pass that God said would. But, but look at the physical seduction of our day. I mean, I'm talking about evil men and seducers. The Bible said shall wax worse and worse. I mean, I mean, we're living in a day worldwide where there are evil men and seducers, physical seducers, waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Look at the spiritual seduction that is taking place. Look at the national seduction all the way from the church house to the people's house in Washington, D.C., there is a national seduction that is taking place. Men that stood for principles. Men that stood for absolute truths all of a sudden flip-flop. And you say, what happened? Why are they changing? Why is the change so rapid? Why are we watching political leaders literally apostatize? And by that I mean they have left where they stood and they have went a whole different direction. How could that happen? How could that happen on our watch? And then we watch it happening in the church house and pastors and men that we all know and respect from time to time will defect from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we say, how can that happen? Can I just tell you, we can't focus on what's happening. We need to focus on the word of God that told us it would happen. We are so close to the coming of the Lord. Let me tell you how close I believe we are to the coming of Jesus Christ. I hope he comes today. Amen. It's not going to mess up my trip to Greenville, South Carolina, if he comes today. Yeah. It, man, it, 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 you say, what? Well, aren't you going to be disappointed you don't get to go back to Ghana? I'll meet our believers in heaven. Amen. 
And it won't be too hot there, and it won't be too cold there. Amen. It'll be just right. Man, the route. You say, well, preacher, you can't prove he's coming today. You are exactly right. You can't prove he's not. <laughs> Amen. But he's coming. You say, how do you know? Because this old scripture that some say is outdated said he's coming again. And, and, and I saw a sign in Sioux Falls last year when I was in June and July, or maybe it was the year before now, it runs together. There was a big sign down around Minnesota, and they were scoffing the idea of the rapture. Uh, Brother Juan, I had someone tell me one time, he said, you can't even find the word rapture in your Bible. I said, you're right, you can't find the word Bible in your Bible either, amen. <laughs> but we still believe the Bible, amen. But there's the calling away that the Bible speaks of. The rapture, when we're called out of here, you say, preacher, you believe that could happen. Hey, 1 Corinthians 15 said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you say, you believe that. I believe it as sure this morning, Brother Viss, as I've ever believed it. Because this Bible's true. And it's as new on January 1st of 2023 as it was when Paul penned those words down in 1 Corinthians. And over in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And told us to comfort one another with these words. Man, these are wonderful promises. So much that we could talk about with the last trump. But I'm going to skip to my last point. Because it is 1145 and I want to be done. All right. The old scriptures. There's, there's the same old. Some would say it's the same old, same old. But it's not to me. It's the same old scriptures. Brand new. He could come today. Brand new. But then I want to say there's something else that's old. We sang about it this morning. And I was so glad that, that we themed the service. Amen. We, we didn't just sing about the old scriptures, but we sang about the old story that's within the old scriptures. You say, man, how did I end up here this morning? I ended up in a church that really believes the Bible. This isn't just a social club. Right, you're in a church that believes the Bible. We're guilty. I remember Dr. Sattler, Tabernacle Baptist Bible College. He said they, they, they looked at him and said, well, he must be old, an old-fashioned fuddy-dud if he believes the Bible. He said, if that's an old-fashioned fuddy-dud, then I plead guilty. Amen. We're Bible believers. And can I tell you, if you would turn your Bibles quickly this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because I want to end this message talking about an old story that is still as new today as it was then when it was given. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul. Here's what he said. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, that's what I'm about to do with you, amen. I'm going to declare unto you the same old story that he declared 2,000 years ago. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. And by the way, while I'm there, let me just cover that phrase, unless we believed in vain. Because I can't tell you how many believers have come to me as a pastor, as a missionary, and have said, I'm afraid I believed in vain. Understand the context of 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the only way in this context that you could have believed in vain is if you believed what they were propagating, that Paul was fighting against, that Jesus died for our sins and was buried, but you didn't believe the resurrection. Then you believed in vain. And that's the whole context of this chapter. Read verses in their context. Amen. Now, notice he said, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. You say, that's old. But that's new to me. How many of you sinned yesterday? Don't raise your hands. How many of you already sinned today? Can I tell you? You say, that's a new sin. But if you're saved, the blood of Jesus Christ has already cleansed you from that sin. Because that same old story is just as new 
and it's just as true today. And his blood washed away all my sins, past, present, future. I had a fellow one time say, that's impossible. It's impossible to believe Christ. It's impossible to be saved. But if you sin after you get saved, you can't keep your salvation. I said, why is that impossible? He said, because of all your sins that have been forgiven, but these sins you haven't even committed yet. Man, how can they be forgiven and you haven't even committed them? Can I tell you, every one of my sins was future when Jesus died on Calvary. There's not a sin I committed. I wasn't even here to commit them yet. But he died for our sins. And can I tell you, if you're here this morning, he died for yours too. First John chapter number 2 said, he's the propitiation for our sins. It means he's the pardon, he's the payment, he's the mercy seat for our sins and not for ours only. But for the sins of the whole world. So if you're here, you say, well, I don't believe him. You may not believe him, but he's already made the sacrifice for your sins and he's just waiting for you. He's made his move for your soul. Amen. He died for our sins. I don't care who you are this morning. I don't care how wicked you are. I don't care if you've walked in this church and say, man, my wife doesn't know what I've done. My children don't know what I've done. My mother doesn't know what I've done. Man, my church doesn't know what I've done. My pastor doesn't know what I've done. Can I tell you, God Almighty knows what you've done. And he loved you anyhow. Because the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That means die and go to hell in your sins, but have everlasting life. I believe it. Amen. But as many as received him, them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Can I just tell you that old story of Jesus and his blood that we sang about? Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. My heart was, can I tell you, before we even sang that song, as soon as the choir started belting out, and you say, well, I don't like that they're belting out. Man, I like it. Amen. They sang this morning, what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood. I don't think it was in the third verse, and I wanted to put my hand in the air and say, praise God. Man, the blood of Jesus Christ is as, I like that the first song that came out of the choir that came in this church on New Year's of 2023 was about the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I like it. If we were to look at the gospel of the death of Christ and how that he died for our sins, I want you to listen to me. Because maybe you're someone that's hearing it for the first time, or maybe it's the first time you're hearing it where something's stirring in your heart. Can I tell you, he died for your sins, and if this suit coat re represented your sins, he died for your sins, and the Bible said he was buried. And that means all that sin of lust, and the sin of lies, and the sin of unfaithfulness, and the sin of jealousy, and anger, and alcohol, and fornicate, all the sins you could think of and the worst sins you could think of. You say, oh, preacher, there's some terrible, wicked, ungodly sins out there. I know. Things that even, even in a society of sinners that have been saved, we say they're wicked. Why, you could go down to the prison this morning and you'd find even in the prison, there are some people that say, now those people over there, man, they're the worst of the worst. But can I tell you, when Jesus died for our sins, he took all of your sins and my sins on his back. And he was judged for our sins. Isaiah 53 said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. 2 Corinthians 5.21, perhaps my favorite verse in the New Testament. For God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus took, if, if this suit coat represents my sins, if this suit coat represents your sins, I don't care how wicked they are. 
I don't care what, you say, you don't know what people in this church would think. Yeah, I don't know what you would think about me, preacher, if you knew my sins. But can I tell you, God already knows about them. And he already took them. The worst, the most unimaginable sin he's already taken upon him. Young people, you listening? All those secret sins that sometimes young people get tempted with and sometimes, sometimes we don't mean to, but we, we mess up. Can I tell you, Jesus took those sins and he took them to Calvary and he, and he suffered and he bled and he died because the wages of sin is death. And then those sins, those sins, I'll just, I'll just, I'll have to have somebody help me later. I'll just put it right here. We'll just, we'll, I'll use the baptism because the baptism is such a picture of this. When the Bible talks about being baptized, those sins, Jesus Christ, he was literally, he was, he was buried. And when he was buried, he, our sins were buried with him. They were buried. All the lying, all the anger, all the bitterness, all the wrath, all the malice, all the jealousy, all the cheating, the fornication, the adultery, the homosexuality, all the pedophilia, all of it was judged on Jesus Christ, and it was buried. And buddy, I'm going to tell you something. When he came out of that grave three days later, he came out, but the sin stayed. Which means you can never be charged for sins that have already been paid for at Calvary. He was buried for your sins. He died for your sins, was buried, and he rose up to walk in new life, resurrected life. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, that old story could be just as new for you this morning as it's ever been for anybody. You could come down here, I'm telling you the truth, you could come down here this morning and you could believe a story that's 2,000 years old about a man who loved you so much that he died for your sins, was buried, and he rose from the dead. And you could repent of your sin. In other words, be sorry for your sin and place your faith and trust in him. And can I tell you what he'd do for you this morning? You may have walked in here a sinner. You may have walked in here with the guilt of your sin. You may have walked in here with the burden of your sin upon you. But you could walk out these front doors free. Guilt-free eternally free, spiritually free. Because the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. Man, I love the old story. Listen, if we were to peel back the layers of this church, if we were to take the pews out, if we were to remove the musical instruments, if we were to take this beautiful pulpit away and the offices and the visitor's center, if we were to take away the annual business meeting and the deacons meeting and the trustees meetings and all the work parties and if we were to take away the children's classrooms and the buses and the programs and the fellowships and the get-togethers and if we were just left with a multitude of people and the Bible, we would find that the core of this church and the center of this church and the purpose for this church and the reason for existence of this church is very simple. It's an old story. It's the message of the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not looking to be new. We're just looking to be true to the word of God. Amen. And that's our core. That's what we believe. That's what everything we do, everything that we behave, the music we play, the music we listen to, the things we say, the way we dress when we are out in public. Amen. When the conversations we have on the job site with others. Amen. As we carry ourselves, as we, as, as we deport ourselves, our behavior stems out of that core belief of an old story that there's a man named Jesus who loved us so much that he died for our sins, shed his blood, buried our sins, and got out of the grave to prove that he could bury your sins, let them suffer the wages of sin forever while you and I spend eternity in heaven with him. Sure, it's an old rugged cross. It, it's old. It's an old rugged cross. There's no doubt about it. Sure, it's the emblem of, of suffering and shame and but sure, we love that old cross at Eastside Baptist Church. Amen. 
We love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And it's just as new this morning, and it's just as fresh this morning, and it's just as real this morning, and it's just as sin-forgiving for any one of us here personally this morning, and it's just as hope-giving for any one of us this morning, and it's just as life-changing as it was the very moment when Jesus rested in his finished work and said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. There's, there's a song that I love. I wish I wished we could sing it this morning. Maybe some of you have heard these lyrics. Um, I love the Lord, I love his word, and I know that he died for my sins. There are still times in this life of mine that I need to hear it all again, how that Jesus came down to men, shed his blood and died for them. Tell me how he rose again. Oh, tell me that story, how the king of all glory laid down his life, not just for you, but for me, oh, tell me it's precious and oh, how it blesses. And this morning, even though I'm preaching it, I just wanted to hear it once again. Amen. This year, everything this year about the Rutman family and everything about the Eastside Baptist Church will stem out of an old story that's still as new and true as it ever has been. Let's pray. Lord, I pray now that you take, take this message and take these words. There's nothing special about the speaker and you know that. There's nothing special about the way I've put words together. You know that. But it's, it's the principles. It's the power of the word of God. It's the power of the old story that we're preaching about, that we sang about this morning, that has the power to change lives. Lord, if there's a sinner here who's never been saved, Lord, I pray that they'd come this morning. Lord, there's nothing, there's nothing more exciting for me as an individual than to be able to give somebody the old story brand new for that very first time and watch them accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior there's nothing harder for me as a pastor than to delegate it to somebody else and let them win someone to the Lord. I love it. I love my job. I love, I love where you've called me. I love getting to, to, to reach people with the gospel and, and watch people who've never heard, sometimes never physically heard one time that there's a Jesus who died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. Lord, maybe there's someone like that here this morning. They've never understood it. May this morning be their time. That they come and get saved. No better day to get saved in 2023 than today, New Year's Day. I pray they'd get saved today. And Lord, for those of us that are saved, maybe it has grown a little bit old. Maybe in our heart, the holidays, the busyness, everything going on, it's got a little cold. God, renew that vision as we go into a new year. Oh God, may that old story be as new and as true in our hearts as it's ever been. May we pass out gospel tracts. May we witness. May we witness to that family member. May we witness to that friend. May we witness to that coworker. May we spend this year doing what we love to do best as a church, sharing the gospel, sharing the old story of Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.